Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me read you something. Y'all ready to hear the word tonight? Okay, listen. The story is told of an Oklahoma town that had two churches and one distillery. Listen to me close. Two churches, one distillery. Members of both churches complained that the distillery was giving the community a bad image. And to make matters worse, the owner of the distillery was an, an outspoken atheist. He didn't believe in God one bit. Well, the church people had tried to unsuccessfully for years to shut down the distillery. So y'all know what a distillery is, right? They make whiskey or liquor or something, right? So finally, they decided to hold a joint Saturday night prayer meeting, these churches. They were going to ask God to intervene and settle the matter. The church folks gathered on Saturday night, and there was a horrible thunderstorm raging outside. And to the delight of the church members, lightning hit the old brewery, and it burned to the ground. Well, the next morning, the sermon that was preached in both churches were on the power of prayer. But the insurance adjusters promptly notified the distillery owner that they were not going to pay for the damages because the fire was an act of God, and that was an exclusion in the policy. The distillery owner was furious, and he sued both churches, claiming that they conspired with God (laughs) to destroy his business. But the churches denied that they had anything to do with the cause of the fire. The presiding judge opened the trial with these words. I find one thing most perplexing. We have a situation here where the plaintiff, an atheist, is professing his belief in the power of prayer, and the defendants, all faithful church members, are denying the same power. (laughs) True that. We've been talking about holy prayer, yes, because prayer is something we believe in, but it's interesting when God acts and answers our prayers, we don't believe it. How many of you have happened to? You pray and then God doesn't, you go, I can't believe it. We say we believe in prayer, but when God answers our prayers, we say we don't believe it. And we pointed out last time, if you were with us, about prayer The fact that we believe in prayer, but few of us do it. F.B. Meyer said, the great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. The last time we were together, we were in the model prayer. And show of hands, were you with me last time we were together, model prayer? Okay, that's a good number of you. You know, I told you, got your pen? Don't confuse the model prayer with the Lord's prayer. Don't confuse the model prayer with the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is found in, listen, John 17. The Lord's Prayer is found in John 17. The model prayer is found in Luke 11 and Matthew 6. 
Luke 11, Matthew 6, the model prayer. We've been talking about the model prayer. The Lord's prayer is in John 17. And I told you the last time we gathered together, if you missed that teaching, uh, go to the bookstore and order a copy of why we know that the model prayer and the Lord's prayer are two totally different prayers. Last time we were together, I gave you six key elements of prayer found in the model prayer. We talked about his person, and we're looking at Matthew, by the way, chapter 5. We'll get to it. But in Matthew 5, we talked about his person in verse 19, or verse 9, pardon me. Matthew 6, pardon me. Matthew 6. Matthew 6. And we talked about his person in verse 9. We talked about last time, verse 10, his purpose, and then we talked about his provision in verse 11. And we got the three of the six key elements uh, due to time. We uh, ended there, and we were to pick up tonight the model prayer, part two. So holy prayer, we're talking about tonight, the model prayer. Part two, look at Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six, saints, and look at verse five. If you're looking at verse five, say amen. And when you pray, Jesus said, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, on the street corners, at the mall, that they might be what? Seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, what? They have their reward, but you. Christian, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father for the Father who is in secret, in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions over and over the same prayer, the same prayer, the same prayer, as the heathens do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, in verse 8, Jesus says, don't be like that. For your father knows the things that you have need of, so you don't have to keep telling him over and over and over and over and over and over. That's what he's saying. In one prayer, like the hypocrites do. In this manner, so how should you pray? In this manner, are you with me in verse 9? In this manner, therefore pray. Come on, read it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the church said, amen. Amen. This is worth repeating. And if you don't have it written down, then please write it down. The model prayer is 65 words long. 65 words long probably takes, we just read it, 30 seconds to pray. The Ten Commandments, 297 words. Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, 250 words. The Declaration of Independence, 200 words. The Constitution of the United States, 7,000 words. The current United States tax bill, I said the current, United States tax bill is 7 million words. No wonder nobody understands it. Tax folk don't even understand it. 
Seven million words. The Bible, 700,000 words. The model prayer, 65 words. Short, concise, complete. I'm going to add life-changing. Somebody say amen. Short, concise, complete, and life-changing. Jesus, you know, we talked about the last time, didn't we? Jesus prayed a lot. And he prayed, he prayed incredible prayers. Somebody once wrote how much prayer meant to Jesus. It was not only his regular habit, but his, his resort in every emergency, however slight or serious. When perplexed, he prayed. When hard-pressed by work, he prayed. When hungry for fellowship, he prayed. And he found it. He chose his disciples and received his messages upon his knees. If tempted, he prayed. If criticized, he prayed. If fatigued in the body or wearied in the spirit, he had recourse to his one unfailing habit of prayer. Prayer brought him unmeasured power at the beginning and kept the flow unbroken and undiminished. There was no emergency, no difficulty, no necessity, no temptation that would not yield to prayer. You know this, at the core of Jesus' life and ministry was prayer. So we come to Matthew chapter 6, and here's the scene. Jesus is on the hillside talking to his disciples, and he had just finished praying. Keep in mind, I said he was talking to his disciples. He was not talking to the masses. He was not talking to the crowds. He was talking to those who followed him. He's talking to those who love him, his disciples. And one of his disciples said, Lord, because he had just finished praying. Are y'all with me tonight? Because he had just finished praying, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said in verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites because they love to pray to be religious and to be seen by men. And verse 7, go ahead and look at it in your Bibles. Don't use vain repetitions. Now, growing up in the Catholic Church, listen, saints. Eh, when I was in school, elementary school, early high school, I um, went to Catholic school. You know that I told you that. And probably ninth grade, 10th grade, I went to Catholic high school. And then I got kicked out. And um, because they said that someone walking next to me slipped down the steps. They said, he, they said that he was pushed. I say I had nothing to do with it. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. You know, kids, whatever. Kids, whatever. So in Catholic school, we went to Catholic Mass. Remember Catholic Mass? And during Mass, we prayed the model prayer every day. Saints, Catholic background, you know this is true, right? The model prayer every single Mass. And it was repeated in some services And it's true that people repeat the model prayer even today as if it's some kind of magic mantra that will bless them or move God to hear them. Think about this. They are doing exactly when you're praying over and over like like our father's like a, a mantra. You're doing exactly what Jesus said don't do. Jesus said when you pray, don't use vain repetitions or chants or mantras to impress God. I told you the last time that the rabbis taught whenever the righteous make long prayers, their prayers are heard. 
And I also told you that the length of prayer has nothing to do with the strength of prayer. So you don't have to pray long for God to hear you. Some of the most spiritual, godly prayers are short. You know, Peter walking on water and all of a sudden he starts sinking. And what do he say? Lord, help. He did not have time to go into deep contrition about prayer. Well, Father, if you would have stopped holding me with thine free spirit as I'm going down in the water, pull me up by thy straps. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. Jesus said there are many words in verse 7. Much speaking won't get you heard. We talked about all of that. If you missed any of the teachings, pick them up in the bookstore. We talked about the, his person last time. We talked about his, pers- his, his person, his purpose, number two, and number three, his provision we talked about. And, and his person, look, our Father in heaven. He told his disciples to start their prayer by calling God Father. Again, saints, radical teaching here. Jesus is saying, call, call God Father. Jewish people never referred to God as Father. That word Father is the word Abba. Abba. It's an intimate term. A disciple said, teach us to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Papa, Abba, Daddy, Daddy. And not just our Father, stay with me, but our Father. Not my father, but our father. There's no singular pronouns in this prayer. They're all plural. He's our father. Every single one of us that know Jesus. Every single one of us that are Christians. He is our father. We are the family of God. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Verse 2, his purpose, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now the last time... We talked about verse 2, and we talked about it a bit. I moved quickly through verse 2 because if you were with us, you know we were running out of time. And there are a few things I wanted to share with you. Let me just kind of back up a little bit, okay? A few things I want to share with you about thy kingdom come. Pray, Lord, your will be done. Thy kingdom come, not my will be done. Lord, your will be done. The word kingdom, got your pen, means the reign of the king. The reign of the king. Thy kingdom come. I'm going to share with you eight points fairly quickly because I told you I want to back up a little bit. Eight points as it relates to thy kingdom come. Number one, thy kingdom come is an evangelistic term or it's an evangelistic prayer. Christians are part of of the answer to this prayer. We have a role in bringing God's kingdom to completeness. Thy kingdom come is a call for God to increase his kingdom. It's a call for God to convert the hearts of unbelievers, to draw people to a saving knowledge of Christ, to bring people to Christ. Have you ever led someone to Christ? Have you ever led someone to Christ? Just ask yourself. I ask you to raise your hand, stand up. Ask yourself, have you ever, think about it, have you ever led someone to Christ? If you haven't, you are missing the biggest blessing of your entire life. To see someone transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, 
just like that before your very eyes is amazing. I've led people to the Lord, and they look this way before the Lord. And then when they receive the Lord, you might know what I'm talking about. And then when they receive the Lord, they look totally different. I know what happened to me. Some guy led me to the Lord, and I was totally different in seconds. Because when you get saved, you're transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, just like that. Thy kingdom come is an evangelistic prayer. Number two, thy kingdom come is an ethical prayer. Is an ethical prayer. When John the Baptist announced the, that the kingdom of God was at hand, he called people to repent. The word repent means to turn around. The word repent means to do a 180, not a 360. Amen. Do a 360, you're right back where you were. A 180 says, turn around, go the other way. The word repent means to live a different life, to live a different life. By saying thy kingdom come, we're asking God to make us holy. Thy kingdom come means we are under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Thy kingdom come is an evangelistic prayer. Thy kingdom come is an ethical prayer. Thy kingdom come, are you tracking with me, is a prophetic prayer. Somebody once said that believers see further on their knees than philosophers on their tiptoes. I like it a lot. Don't you? Believers see further on their knees than philosophers on their tiptoes. We all know that all of history is headed to a climax, a kingdom conclusion, that one day Jesus is going to return and No one knows exactly when or how, but we are watchful until he comes. Occupy with the great commission to go out to all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Yes, thy kingdom come is an evangelistic prayer, an ethical prayer, a prophetic prayer. Thy kingdom come is also a warfare prayer, a battle prayer. I don't know if you believe it or not, but there's another kingdom. There's another kingdom. There's a kingdom of darkness, and there's a kingdom of light and life. We Christians live in the kingdom of light and life. And then you have the, I'm going to wait till you all say amen right there. Will you do it? We Christians live in the kingdom of light and life, and then we have the kingdom of darkness. And people who are not Christians are living in the kingdom of darkness. And with this dark kingdom comes spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6.12, write that down, memory verse. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We're engaged in spiritual warfare, and we're praying for victory. Thy kingdom come for victory. Thy kingdom come is a warfare prayer, and thy kingdom come, number five, is a submissive prayer. When we pray thy kingdom come, we're surrendering our plans. We're surrendering our priorities to God. And we're saying, Lord, I trust you with my life and my plans. God, I trust you with my life and my plans. So, God, if you want me to be married, then bring me a spouse. That's for somebody. God, if you want me to be pregnant, then if you can get Mary pregnant, by the Holy Spirit, then what can't you do? God, you can do anything because you're God. Right? So thy kingdom come is a submissive prayer. It says, God, whatever you want. God, I need another job. I submit myself to you to give me another job. God, I need new friends. Let the church say amen. 
<laughs> we all do on some level. God, give me new friends. Use it. God, my kids. I'm praying for my kids. Couple of them doing good. Couple of them I don't think gonna make it. Amen. Parents, when you got multiple kids, you know how that divides out, right? Yeah. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we're submitting ourselves to the plan of God. Number six, thy kingdom come is a comforting prayer. It's a comforting prayer. Anxiety should be a reminder to pray. Anxiety should be a reminder to cast your cares on God, not go to the doctor for anti-anxiety medicine or anti-anxiety yeah, medicine. No. Anxiety should cause us to cast our cares on God. When we realize that God is in control of everything, it's comforting. And that's why I started this series, by the way, Holy Prayer on Who God Is. Were you with me? The very first teaching on Holy Prayer was who God is, because it's important when you pray to get. Are y'all listening tonight? Okay. All right. Then it's just the, the enemy in my head saying they ain't even listening to you. Okay. So when you're praying, it's helpful to know that the God that you're praying to has the power to answer your prayers. You got to know that. And if you don't know that, you probably won't pray. Because just what folk don't do, they don't pray if they don't think the God that they're praying to can even hear. That's what the Bible tells us. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto our prayers. He's listening. He wants to hear from you. So we got to know who he is. We started this series on who God is. We talked about that he's omnipotent and that he's uh, um, omniscient and he's omnipresent. We talked about that. So thy kingdom come is a comforting prayer. Have you noticed life is crazy? Have you noticed that? Life is crazy. It's unpredictable. It's chaotic. It's harsh. But we belong to a kingdom that will overcome the world. We belong to a kingdom that our God will protect us and our God will comfort us. Thy kingdom come is a comforting prayer. Thy kingdom come, number seven, is a unifying prayer. What do you mean, pastor? Well, think about it. There's only one kingdom. And by the way, when we start talking about the kingdom of God, that's Christian stuff. That's Christian. There's only one kingdom. You don't have the kingdom of the Baptists. There's no kingdom of the Methodists. There's no kingdom of the Calvary Chapelites. Say amen. Those Calvary Chapel getting kind of nuts too. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no separate kingdom for any group, denomination, race. There's one kingdom. The one kingdom we find is in this book, in the book of Revelation, where we find every nation, tongue, and tribe, and people are gathered around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There's one kingdom. It's not the Baptist kingdom or the Methodist kingdom. It's called the kingdom of God. And there's no divisions. I'll wait while you clap your hands there. Listen, one day in the kingdom, all other divisions will be done away with. Real simple you're not going to Baptist heaven. Say amen. amen. One heaven, everybody praising God. Lastly, 
thy kingdom come is a realistic prayer. You know, some people say Christians are escapists. I don't know if you ever heard that or not, but many people believe that. That Christians are escapists, and especially when we start talking about the rapture of the church, that God's going to snatch us away when stuff gets bad. Just before it gets bad, God's going to snatch us away. And you Christian people are escapists. All you think about is getting escaping reality, they say. And they say that prayer is an escape from reality. Karl Marx called religion, y'all know this, don't you? The opiate of the masses. The opiate of the masses. Listen, when we pray, we're not escaping from reality. We're running to reality. We're not escaping from reality. The problem is what you see around you is not true reality. Not for the Christian. Am I right about it, sweetie? Not for the Christian. This is not real. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.